Even though we live abroad, as women of Indian origin, we have a common thread that binds us together because of our strong cultural background. NRI Women is a platform for women to share their stories and experiences on various topics. Our podcast is about inspiring NRI women and their amazing stories. Some of the stories we've covered include growing up in a joint family in India, adopting a child as a single woman, and rebuilding one's life after the loss of a child. Take a listen. We hope you'll be inspired or learn something new. I'm Bettina. And I'm Lenora. And we're the voices behind NRI Woman Podcast. We're all heart. Just look for NRI Woman wherever you get your podcasts or find us at nriwoman.com. New episodes come out every Monday. Make sure you subscribe. This one's going out to all the ladies. like grazing my butt as i'm walking i'm like <laughs> the hell is that so i reached in my pants it was a fucking dryer sheet oh. stuck in my pants you have the molesting dryer sheet i see it was getting fresh with me <laughs> or it was just getting you fresh both ah we got jokes here welcome rock candy your home of puns bam 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 that's a sad air horn. That was. I was it's. I'm trying. I'm trying real hard. <laughs> no, we are actually your home for the sweet stories from music. And not about laundry. Not usually about laundry. No. I mean, maybe some dirty laundry. No. Oh, 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 it's still got a bus. Yes. Smoking them. Smoking pun guns. Pun, pun guns. <laughs> I'm sure that's a thing already. It's probably. I'm we're sure. not the first to do that. Or the last. No. Mm, yes. <laughs> and we're, we're your hosts. I'm Maggie. <laughs> I'm Ashley. And uh, this week, we're I'm bringing you up right now because I'm going to bring you down real soon. Oh, good. Well, I, I'm going to bring you places. I, I don't think you'll be sad, but you will be mad. Mostly to... You're mostly bringing us to anger. I'm bringing you to anger town. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Population us. And Guy Fieri. No, Guy Fieri's never angry. I think he's probably I don't like. No, I feel like he's got some rage simmering <laughs> under there. He's just really good at like making it look like he's not rageful. He's like, no, I'm not. Un- I'm not unhappy. That's why I make garbage food at my stupid restaurant and I make you guys eat it. That's, That's how like- he gets revenge. <laughs> I feel like he's like that video of him just, it's just a montage of him shoving food in his mouth put to the song of The, the Sound of Silence by Simon oh and Garfunkel. I thought you were going to say Let the Bodies Hit the Floor. Oh, that one too. Which would also be good. Both. Yes, definitely. Both. Well, anyway, really need to rein it in here, bring back the focus mm-hmm. to today's topic because this is our first episode of Women's History Month. Yay. Yay. We are celebrating ladies all month. So get ready for that. And I think we're starting off with a banger, with a total bangerang. <laughs> sure. Okay. Bang, bang. Do it off and bang. I'm, I'm trying to reference songs from MIA. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm, I've, I have been, I have been listening to her for the past week while doing my research. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me how fucking good her music is. Her music's so good. 
Yeah. I'm like, oh, no, I fucking love her music. I've always had, like, one album, and I loved that, and then I really got deep diving into everything else. So. I I remember listening to her quite a bit in college. Like, a little, that was like, like, that was like 2005, my, 2006, and seven. Yeah, that was kind of my jam, I guess, in college, but after that, I just, yeah. I completely stopped listening to her, to be perfectly honest. Well... <sighs> And it's, listening to her stuff now, like, I like it, but it's also not anything that I would really sit down and listen to. It's not my, it's not really my jam. Right. I like her. Yeah. I think she's great at what she does. Oh, yeah. And I like the messages that she puts out there, but it's just not my kind of music. But you know whose it is. It's mine. I know. It's totally, <laughs> like, it's totally my kind of music. And I, But I think after this episode, too, you will... Respect her more. Uh-huh. I think I think you will have even a new level. Like, I have a new level of respect for her now. Yep. That I was like, oh, this chick is legit. Super legit. So, uh, before we start off, I'd like to shout out our beer of the week. Yay. We are drinking from, you know what? I never tried to learn to say this. Rohrbach Company? Yeah, you did it. Holy yeah, shit. Did I very, do it on the first? You did. Holy shit. Rohrbach Company. It's first time for everything. And we are drinking Space Kitty. And I was really afraid I would not be able to find a beer for this week mm-hmm. because there is a MIA brewery, but they don't sell any other beers around here that I could find. If you can find them, send them my way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I ended up finding Space Kitty, though. She does have a song called Space off of her album, Maya. And then uh, I went with Kitty because tigers are a big theme in a lot of her visual art. And yeah. tigers are kitties. They are kitties. They are. They're just big kitties. The most ferocious of kitties. Yeah, don't pet kitties. <laughs> don't pet those kitties. No, don't do it. They don't Ooh. like it. But this is a pretty good beer. <laughs> you know, this is really a summer beer, though. Like, when I started... Yeah. Again, I won't rehash our our com- our commiserating of winter, but this definitely I drank it. I'm like, I want to be on a dock <laughs> where it's sunny and warm drinking this beer. Yeah, it's a yacht rock kind of beer. Ooh, it is a yacht rock kind of Indeed. beer. Indeed, I'd be I fine with that. I need somebody in a Hawaiian shirt and a captain's hat. Stat <laughs> playing some Toto. Hats. <laughs> I really Please. need this. I need this in my life. Please. But it's super good. It is a, it is a citrus <laughs> double Indian pale ale, or also known as a Citra Dippa, which is which your is, new SoundCloud which is my name. new SoundCloud rapper name. So when I'm emceeing. I'm Citra Dippa, but when I'm DJing, I'm DJ Shouty Mouth. Yeah, you got it down. Now I really need to actually make these careers, though. <laughs> like, not good. I'm not going to do a good job, but I'm going to do them. Well, I mean, that's the whole point of a SoundCloud rapper. Yeah, I'm not good it's at not this. not to be good. It's just to be a SoundCloud rapper. Right? Okay. Yeah. Good. There's no standards for me. No. None. Excellent. Absolutely none. Let's get into it. Let's get into the story. <laughs> Before I have to actually start committing to being a SoundCloud rapper. Yeah. Right now, it's just a fun thing to think about, but soon enough. You know, who knows? Maybe one Friday night coming up, it's still, I'm still cooped up inside. Maybe I have a little beer, a little ganj, and I'm like, you know what? I've got GarageBand. Let's see what I can do. I will be sure to make sure that all of your Fridays are occupied. <laughs> From now until it actually <laughs> like hits like sixty five seventy degrees outside, and you're like, oh good, she's not gonna want to sit inside anymore. Yeah, no, she no. Oh good, good. Thank <laughs> God. Anyway, so getting on with it. Uh, for a majority of my information, doing a lot of online research, uh, saw some interviews, read some articles. 
but I did watch the recently released documentary called Matangi Maya, M-I-A. It is very, very good, and I highly suggest that you see it. Is it on it's Prime? On, it's not on Prime. Okay. I had to rent it for $5, which, come on, Amazon, you only give me this shit for 48 hours and it was $5. I already pay for Prime, you bitch. But I, I that, then I can start yelling about how much I hate Amazon as a company and Jeff Bezos, but I will not. Yes. <laughs> Bezos. Bezos. That's not how you say his name. I shouldn't even give him that much credit. <laughs> but it's so much funner to say Bezos. How are you supposed to say his name? Be- Bezos? Oh. No, you need the accent. Bezos. Bezos. <laughs> I like to pretend like I'm Jennifer Lopez saying it. I love Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> anyway, right. Okay. So many times we talk about musicians who are also activists And these are people who realized that they could get a message to their masses with their fame. Well, I'd argue that this woman fought to get the fame so that she could have that platform. Okay. M.I.A. is a pop star, but I'd argue the common man really only knows her for paper planes and bad girls. I don't... What's bad girls? Oh, bad girls is so good! If you heard it, you'd probably know it because... Oddly enough, both of these songs are also played in a lot of movie trailers. Is Bad Girls an older song? Newer. Oh, okay. Then that's why I don't know it. it I know. I mean, like 2015? 2015? Yeah, no. 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 Like 2012. And still, I don't know yeah. it. So, like, if it's if it's before 2007, then I might know it if it was a single. Yeah. Maybe you probably <laughs> but, know her first two albums. Yeah. Yeah, because that's when they would play her on MTVU when I was in college, and I would see the videos, and that's how I know who she is. (laughs) Other than Ashley, I think most people know her for those songs. (laughs) (laughs) And again, they they were both played a lot in trailers. But if you really stop to listen to the content of her music, it is heavily laced with references to war, poverty, third world countries, and refugee life. All of this makes sense because that is the life she lived. But don't worry, this isn't some Cinderella story of a poor brown girl from a third world country finding her voice and rising to fame. It's a story of one badass chick who could get her message out no matter how much bullshit was thrown her way. And y'all should know, this is gonna be some bullshit. (laughs) So buckle up, buckaroos. Yeah. Okay, a big part of the story lies in the Sri Lankan Civil War, and I'm going to try my very best to explain it quickly and sensibly, so bear with me. Alrighty, so from the 1950s leading to the 80s, the Sinhalese majority of Sri Lanka were creating a hostile environment for the Tamil minority, passing laws and legislation that brought Tamil's rights to nothing, and even barring them from citizenship, and this basically made them a stateless people. I didn't even know that there was a civil war in Sri Lanka. Well, now you do. Neither did I. The things you learn in this documentary. (laughs) That was exciting to learn. Um, Well, after decades of discrimination, they finally decided to fight back, and by the early 80s, small groups were coming together to attack the Sri Lankan military. This led to the creation of the group Liberation Tigers of Tamil Elam, or LTTE, who basically became an army of Tamils who were highly trained and heavily armed to fight against the Sinhalese for over a quarter of a century. The Sri Lankan Civil War was an intermittent insurgency that saw the deaths of over an estimated 100,000 citizens. Jesus. Yeah. It was 
not great. And India would attempt to intervene for peace talks, but ended up making things worse. Because then they just started fighting the Tamils. <laughs> Wait, so India was not even on the Tamil side? No. Wow. It, I, 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 I will not get into the... I don't know the politics of it. But this is still a really good background for you to know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is heavy in MIA's music. Mm -hmm. There were assassinations, broken ceasefire agreements, bombings. But in the end, the Sri Lankan government came out victorious in 2009. And the LTTE dropped its desire for a separate state so they may find a federal solution. And I think it has been better, but there's always that aftermath of war that there's i mean it's been 10 well, years and if the sri lankan government won against the tamils and yeah. what do the tamils do yeah i can't again i can't really speak too much of it i just wanted to kind of give a basic that's a basic idea a crude rudimentary basic idea of mm -hmm. the sri lankan civil war mm -hmm. again super important to the story so let's get into the woman herself though on July 18th, 1975, in London, England, Matangi Maya Arupragasam was born to a Tamil couple. Her mother, a seamstress named Kala, and her father, an engineer turned activist named Arupragasam. A note, I will be referring to MIA as Maya for the most part because that's kind that's of her, her name. name. Yeah. And it's just easier to say than MIA. Yeah. <laughs> At the age of only six months, she moved with her family to Jaffna, Sri Lanka, where her father became a founding member of the Elam Revolutionary Organization of Students. Wait, so she was born in England, mm -hmm. and then they moved to Sri Lanka in the middle of a civil war? Mm -hmm. At the beginning oh, of at the, the civil war. Well, yeah, at the beginning. Because her, fa her father became a founder of one of the uprising groups. Gotcha. That did eventually get absorbed into the LTTE, mm -hmm. but it was its own separate group for a while. It makes me wonder why they were in England to begin with. I suppose um, for work. Yeah, probably. He was an engineer. Yeah. So I believe he went to school there. I'm not 100% sure. I, I kind of just did a brief run through of her parents. Yeah. And there's not a whole lot anyway. Well, the podcast is not about her parents. It's about her. Good point. <laughs> uh, her father, Arul, helped to train and educate many of the soldiers for the cause. The first 11 years of Maya's life were completely displaced as her family would move around to avoid being becoming collateral damage of the Civil War. Jeez. At one point, Kala brought Maya and her younger siblings to Madras, India, without their father, so he could stay and help with the war efforts, and they could stay safe. In Madras, they lived in a derelict house and would get occasional visits from their father, who they were told was their uncle. What? Yeah, even in the documentary, Maya recounts a time where she said, I remember, like, you brought us candy and we called you uncle because for a good chunk of their childhood, they thought that was their uncle. I suppose to not for be safety. really associated so that they wouldn't come after them. Precisely. For a time, they had gone back to Sri Lanka, but as the Civil War escalated into the north, Kala had enough and once again brought her children to London as Tamil refugees. They were placed in a housing estate where Maya was subjected to a lot of racism and discrimination, as not only being a part of one of two Asian families, but also being a refugee. Despite that, she thrived and picked up the English language very quickly and excelled in school. And it was here that she developed her infatuation with music. 
She had a small radio that she would plug headphones into and go to sleep listening to music at night. And she was always listening to the music of the time, like Madonna, The Clash, Michael Jackson, other 80s classics. I would do that too. I would fall asleep with headphones on. Oh, so I could the never time. fall asleep with headphones on. I always kept a, I had a radio at like the other side yeah, of my room. I couldn't I do that on. because my sister's room was like too close. Oh, and she so got all she like, hear man, it. she's getting playing music and I'm like, I didn't even want to try. <laughs> No, I didn't care. I was like, I don't care. (laughs) Um, In the documentary, though, she does tell a story. Um, She had Irish neighbors on one side and black neighbors on the other side. And one day the Irish neighbors stole her radio and they refused to give it back. So that night she had to go to sleep without headphones in. And that was the first time when she heard her black neighbors playing hip hop. And that was what got her into groups like NWA and Public Enemy and stuff like Hmm. that. So she was really heavily influenced by just pop culture at that time and what everyone else was listening to also fucking white people fucking white people am i right (laughs) wait a minute (laughs) when the time came for university maya's number one choice was the prestigious london-based art school central saint martin's However, she was told she didn't have the right qualifications, so she claimed she was just going to have to go be a hooker in King's Cross, film the whole thing, then tell the world, this is what happened to me when I got rejected by St. Martin's. This surprisingly worked when she got in. She told that to St. Martin's? She basically said, "Uh, you know what? I'll just film myself being a prostitute. And they were like, well, all right, we'll just let you in. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the story I heard anyway. In college, she developed her skills as a visual artist, especially in film. She wanted to represent real life through cinema, and she was clearly influenced by her own life experiences. She also created eye-catching acid punk street graffiti protesting the ongoing Sri Lankan civil war. In the late 90s, Maya met Justine Frischman, lead singer of the rock band Elastica. What? Oh. Wait, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Elastica. That's, that's the, they have that song, Connection. Yeah. That's every, the only song I know by them. That's pretty much the only one anybody knows. Good. <laughs> Good. That's not just me. Yeah, I was like, Elastica, should I know who these people are? Oh, yeah. I do know this yeah. song. <laughs> like, they were, they had some hits in the 90s. They were a 90s British rock band. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sums it up they, pretty would good. they would definitely show up on a BuzzFeed list of songs from the 90s that you totally forgot about. Yeah, or like some kind of real super 90s movie soundtrack or oh something like Chasing Amy or something oh my, like that. It's, def- it's got to be in a fucking Kevin Smith film. Probably. Has to be. But also I always get them mixed up with with uh, Republica, who I really liked. Okay. I really liked Republica. You would absolutely know who Republica is. Um, They have that song ready to go. Oh, I love that song. Yeah, right? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, they hit it off right away. And Justine wanted Maya to not only create the art for the cover of their album, The Menace, but also videotape them on tour for a documentary. On tour, Elastica was supported by badass electro artist Peaches. Oh. Hell Yeah. It was her who introduced Maya to the Roland MC505 mixer and encouraged her to make her own beats and explore music as another art medium. And it wasn't all happy good times, though. Maya was in awe of the power Justine had to speak to such large crowds and encouraged the band to write songs with a message. But they really weren't about that life. They really just wanted to have a good time and keep the material light. 
So they would get pretty annoyed at her for insisting that they use their platform for a cause. Well, I mean, you know, if you're if your whole point is not to get too political, right? Then you know you don't have to use your position as a way to get your points across, right? If you don't want to, it's a good opportunity to do that. But. I can understand where she's coming from, but you shouldn't push people to do that if they don't want to. If oh, they agreed. just want to make music and make people like their music, that's all they really have to do. Right. No, yeah. I, I agree. I think it was overall coming from a frustration of, you know, I think having she- these life experiences and not knowing how to deal with them and wanting to yeah. expose them and not having a great medium in which to do it with yeah. and if if you're m-i-a or excuse me maya in this situation <laughs> um wanting to have that pl- platform because you have something to say and then looking at these white people that have a platform <laughs> that aren't saying anything i can completely understand why she would be frustrated by right. that and she also talks a lot about when she was you know in art school and doing film it's a lot of these privileged kids yeah. from backgrounds of parents who were doctors and they've never seen war. And so the art that they want to make, it's hard for her to look at somebody who wants to make something that looks frivolous to her when she's been through so much. Right. You know, she's like, people would make these fluff pieces where I wanted to show what real life was. Right. So I think it's just hard for her to watch artists do something that's so completely opposite of how she feels. Yeah. Especially when she feels like she's friends with them, so she kind of feels like maybe they can help her maybe be a mouthpiece. I don't know exactly, but irregardlessly. That, that's taking, irregardless, Lee is taking it even a step further. That's not a word. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm using it. All the while, she was still solidly friends with Justine, but she really felt lonely out on the road because... Really, like, she just didn't mesh well with everybody else. And she got pretty lonely. And she felt real out of place. So she ended up leaving the project. But it's okay, because after a couple years, I think Elastica broke broke up anyway. <laughs> yeah, they didn't last very long. I think they're, like, mid-90s to, like, early 2000s. Anyway, Maya was still very well aware of the turmoil happening in her homeland. She saw a film about the LTTE highlighting the female members. She saw women her age and began to think that could have been her life. Instead of, you know, being on tour with a rock band, she could be fighting in a civil war. And, like, what made her different? Right. What made her so lucky to not have to live that life? So she took all that frustration that built up inside of her and she used it as inspiration to grab a camera and go back to Jaffna to film the Tamil youth for a documentary. Soon after arriving, she discovered this was a harder task than what she had imagined. Yeah, she was trying to interview her family, but they weren't super comfortable about being forthcoming with all the information about the war. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you you can't expect to go into a civil war situation and expect everybody to freely talk about it. Exactly. That's not going to happen. They're worried about retaliation. And after a while of her being there for about a month or two, they began to notice people were like outside their houses and... Kind of creeping around. Because even if you interview them in Sri Lanka and then you go back to London and release, you know, some kind of film, even on a small scale, there are going to be people there that are connected to these different groups in Sri Lanka that have easy communication 
that can go back to them and be like, yo, this chick's family who's over in Sri Lanka is, you know, doing all this shit in London. Yeah. So you need to go and make sure they know what's up. Yeah. So they're worried about that. Yeah. And that's understandable. But another surprise for Maya was that many in her family didn't take her passion for the topic seriously because she had been out of the war zone for so long. So after years of feeling like an outsider for being a refugee in a first world country, now she was being told that she was too indoctrinated in the modern world to understand what her country was going through. So here she is with absolutely nowhere to place herself. Yeah, she's stuck between two worlds. She is. And I think that's a very important thing to know about Maya, MIA, and herself and how that plays into her music. Because if you really look at her music... You can't really categorize it. Mm -hmm. It's not really pop. It's not really techno. It's not really world music, but it is a mixture of those things. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's just really telling because that's who she is. And it's such a reflection on her life. Like, she'll never feel like she fits in anywhere. Which I think at times it must be lonely for her. But at the same time, I think it is a positive for her. I think it's only does her a benefit. Yeah. Um. Even just as an artist, it seems like she's constantly marginalized. Oh. All the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll get to that. <laughs> oh, don't you worry. I haven't gotten to the bullshit yet. <laughs> she tried for a couple months to compile a comprehensive film, but not only did she have the previously mentioned problems, but she was beginning to deal with harassment, especially the kind that happens typically to women in a military-run country. Awesome. She talks about a story of one time her and her mother being on a bus and Sri Lankan military came on and every time the bus would move, they would kind of like bump into her and grope her. And she wanted to shout out and say something. But her mom basically said, if you say anything at the next stop, they're going to take you into those woods and kill you. Yeah. And guess what? That shit happens all the fucking time in India. It's still happening. It still happens. It happens. Yeah. I mean, like. It doesn't even have to be military that comes no. onto the bus. It can be just regular fucking dudes that think it's perfectly fine to rape women on a bus. I mean... And nobody yeah. does anything about it. They just let it happen. Yep. It's, it's... Because if they say anything, they will be next. Right. They'll be killed. They'll be raped. They'll be whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the life she experienced and had to grow up with. And, and, and ultimately, Maya just abandoned the project because she just knew she wasn't going to get what she wanted it wasn't going to be her vision. She was literally one person that wants to do this and had probably zero support. At her school, actually, I think helped um, fund it a little bit. But that's at that was her school in England? London, yeah. 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 What are they going to do? Right. Oh, no. Give exactly. her money? Yeah. yeah. No, that was about... I mean... That's I, all they can do. I will say she was funded a little bit for it, which right. was great. But right. at the same time, she just... But yeah. she was she was literally in Sri Lanka alone. She had no protection she had no bodyguards right i mean she there had was her family nobody... but her family couldn't do anything because yeah. yeah there was nobody from the school from anything to help her be protected right so she was literally on her own yeah it, it it's it, it was a little bit disheartening for her but she just goes back and while it may seem frustrating that this film never really came to fruition not all is lost most of the documentary that i watched is comprised of the footage from these years. So you do end up seeing a lot of this. It wasn't all for naught. It wasn't all for naught. Um, Honestly, Maya documents most of her life because she was always really aware that something important is happening and she just felt the need to kind of always 
have something to show for like what she was going through and what she was doing. So most of the documentary is made up from like footage from the early 2000s up till Mm -hmm. um, about 2016. They finished filming and it was released in 2018. So you've got like somewhere between 15 and 20 years of footage here that she has of her life. And it really helps tell the story a lot. So while she doesn't have these, she's tried to make so many projects in film that never happened they finally do happen with this film, which I think works great. Yeah. So no worries when I tell you she made a documentary and it never came to fruition. So Maya is back in London and makes more art. Not just visual this time, but now trying her hand at music. She got her hands on a Roland MC 505 and experimented in the freedom of her bedroom. And after some time, she created the song Galang. At this point, Maya decided to give herself the stage name M.I.A., which, as most of you know, stands for Missing in Action. Mm -hmm. Of this choice, she said, quote, M.I.A. came to be because of my missing cousin. I wanted to make a film about where he was since he was M.I.A. in Sri Lanka. We were the same age, went to the same schools growing up. I was also living in Acton at the time, so I was living in Acton looking for my cousin missing in action. Oh. Yeah. So. It's, it's also a play on her name, too, right? Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, like, because you have Maya, Mia, mm-hmm. MIA. It's, it's, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on there. Showbiz Records, an independent label, pressed 500 copies of the single, and it became an immediate hit in the clubs. One night at the club, she heard the DJ playing her song, and that's how she met the DJ producer, Diplo. The chemistry was there, and they ended up dating for a time. But more importantly, they collaborated and built up more hype for both of the artists themselves. So they kind of helped bring each other up through the ranks. I feel like that is the song that I remember. Galang? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's like not, I, I mean, that's one of her more, that's. That's very early. That's very early. Like that was a very underground song in the sense like they played that. That was a club song for sure. Yeah. They definitely played it on MTVU surprisingly <laughs> it's a great video like she made she basically like all of like the she did a green screen and all of the art in the background that she's dancing in front of it's yeah. just like her art yeah it's really cool yeah because i remember she and uh santa gold came out around the same time yes and they collaborated a lot they were good friends and they played the shit out of the both of them on mtvu and when I was in college, that was, like, the channel I had on 24-7. Now Because like... they actually played videos. What? And good videos, too. What? Yeah. MTV doesn't do that anymore. And then as as I was leaving college, MTV started, like, throwing in some TV shows. And I'm like, this is MTV2 all over again. <laughs> Turned MTVU into MTVU2. And now they just play U2 all the time. Oh, and fuck that. Oh, no. Get the fuck out of here, Bono. Nobody likes you. Ugh. Anyway. (laughs) By now, it was 2004, and MySpace was a thing. A big thing for musicians. Yep. This and peer-to-peer file sharing helped to blow up MIA among the masses. She had a handful of songs at this point and ended up getting herself signed to XL Recordings, where she finished and released her debut album, Arular. The album was named after her father, who was still mostly absent from her life. She figured if he decided to look himself up online, he would also find the album that his daughter made. That's a good idea. Right? Like, it's almost like a, hey, dad, look at the stuff I'm doing. But also, hey, dad, fuck you. (laughs) But also, hey, dad, where are you? 
and and but before it got released or right after it did I can't remember which but he had seen that she was naming an album after him and he was like oh don't do it and she's like nah fuck you I'm doing this <laughs> but I'm gonna do it and within this album were lyrics absolutely influenced by what she's seen heard and lived through as her life as a Tamil refugee Tamil refugee wow Sorry, that's really hard to say for some reason. The entire thing was Maya's creation, even the album art. In it, she used her signature graffiti art style, including the Tamil tigers that she liked to include in her visual work, because that was a symbol of Mm -hmm. Tamil. Some tried to say that this was also MIA trying to push some propaganda, but overall, most people didn't buy into that. But it was kind of some slow chirpings of like, hey, stop pushing your shit on us. I do remember very early on... There were people trying to um, discredit her. Yeah. And I don't remember exactly what they were saying, but they were trying to make it sound like she wasn't as genuine as as she tried to make people think she was. Oh, we'll get to that. Okay. Too oh. early? Did I mention you're, it too you're early? You're a little too early? A little too early. You're like a couple, you're just a couple years early. Okay. Okay. We'll I'll get wait. to I'll this. wait. You wait. Oh, just you wait. The album was celebrated upon its release. It was a refreshing sound with meaning in its content. But this wasn't news to fans because they had already been listening listening to her via the internet. Because now we have the internet and that's how we listen to music now. It's MySpace. Yeah. I remember seeing like... like and SoundCloud was coming up around now too, I believe. I don't... I Maybe? Don't, I have no... I think that was way too early for SoundCloud. Maybe? But I, re- I do remember seeing like... A 2020 special or something like that <laughs> on how like like record execs don't even go to shows to find new talent anymore. They just go onto MySpace. Record execs no longer even attend shows. <laughs> and it was all this big thing about how like musicians just put their shit on MySpace and just wait for somebody to discover them. Oh my goodness. <laughs> they were like, MySpace, the new way to find new music. And then literally a year later, MySpace was gone. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh uh, well, bright side for MIA, her career skyrocketed. <laughs> she was in peak MySpace years. She really was, though. She ended up getting herself a spot in 2005's Coachella. She toured briefly with Gwen Stefani as well as LCD Sound System. But most exciting was contributing to the track Bad Man by one of her idols, Missy Elliott. Oh. Mm-hmm. By 2006, only a year after release of her debut album, Maya was ready to get back to recording. She was in talks to produce her next album with Timbaland. Well, that makes sense. It does make sense. But that was nipped in the bud due to issues with a long-term work visa in the U.S. Oh. Mm. At this point, the LTTE were viewed as terrorists. And because of her father's connections, she was seen as a supporter of terrorism. Why were they considered terrorists? Because, again, I don't know anything about the total politics of it. All I know is what I've seen mostly through the documentary in brief research on my part. But, I mean, think of it this way. These are people who are going up against the state. Technically, the Tamils don't count I guess as citizens. Because I guess India was supporting the other India side. India supporting Sri Lanka. China was supporting Sri Lanka. The U.S. is, is kind of going to support 
I Sri Lanka in this. I suppose their go- their Britain government. would probably support Sri Lanka. We are not a poli- we are not a political podcast. I will not get into it, but I will say we sure do hate the underdog when it comes to the government, don't we? Mm-hmm. I digress. And while with some this would be a total roadblock, I would argue it only made her next album even stronger. Maya traveled around the world to create the tracks for this album, going to India, Jamaica, Australia, Trinidad, and Liberia. And in each country, she incorporated not only the traditional musicians, but also the sounds specific to that location. She would have drummers from one country, instrumentalists from another, children playing, animal sounds, anything that she had encountered on the road would be sampled on this CD. Mm-hmm. It's If you've listened to this album, you can... Go back and hear it and say, oh my god, these are really like children playing and singing in the background. This is really like, she's incorporating a chicken noise from like Trinidad. She's incorporating Jamaicans dancing. Like she's taking all of her experiences and putting it into an album. Mm -hmm. It's so fucking good because the final result is called Kala, which is my favorite MIA album. Mm -hmm. It's named after her mother, whose struggles are heavily referenced in this album. A woman who had to figure out how to care for her children on her own, all while being a refugee. This was the feminine response to the masculine Arular. And I remember back in like 2008, maybe 2009, my friend had burned me a copy of the CD and I was listening to him like, this is so good. This is so good. Like paper planes. I'm like, this is fine. But everything else on that album is like, this is so fucking good. I think people only... Really no paper planes because of Pineapple Express. Yeah. <laughs> mm, and it was yeah. heavily played in trailers and commercials yeah. for Pineapple Express. And it was really one of her few, like, big radio hits, too. Yeah. Well, because of all the different countries she took inspiration from, this album definitely toes the line between dance and world music. And lyrically, it still holds true to her experiences as a refugee immigrant, especially in the song Paper Planes. Mm-hmm. Which, she sampled a Clash song. Yes! For that. Yeah, I was going to say oh, Okay, that. sorry. No, Keep no, going. no. That's, no, that's perfect, because it was written by both M.I.A. and Diplo, and the backing track is the sample of the Clash songs Straight to Hell. Yeah. Yep. Which, I believe, I can't pull up the lyrics right off the top of my head, but wasn't the Clash's song kind of about refugees it wasn't about refugees it was it was i'm sure it was about some kind of like political bullshit yeah it was the clash was a fairly political band yeah and it made sense that she would take uh that song they were they are one of her favorite bands like they are one of her biggest influences so for her to sample them was all all of an homage to them yeah she recorded it in her bedsty apartment once she regained access back into the U.S., and it was the last track recorded for Kala. The lyrics reflect Maya's frustration at America towards immigrants, how they are viewed as people just looking to come in to commit violence and steal our money. Yeah. But she means <laughs> it on an even deeper level, where gun manufacturers make more money with the fear of the other and foreigners coming in and, quote, stealing Americans' germs. Yeah. 
and just coming in here to kill people and sell cocaine. They just want to sell their drugs uh, and then they just want to take our jobs. Now I'm unemployed because some Indian took my job. Like, that's not how that works. That's not how any of this works. No, it's it's not immigrants taking your job. It's automation and outsourcing. That's what's taking your fucking jobs. Also, also, Also losing the need for certain industries. But also all the jobs that Indians, Mexicans, all those other people are taking from you are jobs you don't even fucking want yeah the reason they are working them is because you're not taking them yeah and people employers know that they can exploit their labor for ridiculously low wages i promise you those brown those brown immigrants are not making as much money as you they're not but you know this isn't a political podcast fuck the 15 dollar minimum wage Am I taking crazy pills? <laughs> I'm taking crazy pills. You are. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to Crazy Pill Town. <laughs> well, Maya was really surprised by the success of this single, as she was used to it being just pretty underground. But of course, with this rise in fame comes incredulity from the media about her lyrical content. Of course. When asked about how she feels that she's catching her listeners off guard with her political content, she basically says that if she isn't singing about her own life experiences, then what right does she have to even put out any music? Which, all right, I'll give it to you. got it. You do. Mm -hmm. Maya started out 2008 touring for her album, but stopped so she could try to work on another film. But instead, she ended up starting her own label called NEET Records, Neat records. No. Oh. <laughs> and she was nominated for not just a Grammy, but also an Oscar for her work on the score for Slumdog Millionaire. Oh, she did that? Mm-hmm. She she worked on it. Oh, she didn't do her. like the whole thing, but she definitely worked on some of it with them. Mm-hmm. And on top of all of this, girl was performing at the Grammys pregnant with her son. I remember watching that and the next day everyone was like oh my god she was performing when she was pregnant did you see what she was wearing I'm like what the fuck oh that's nothing don't like, you worry don't you worry at the time she was engaged to ben bronfman who is the son of edgar bronfman who was chairman of warner music group for a time and ceo of seagram's uh, okay this will play a part don't worry i'll come back to this she has her son lives in la with ben she was focusing on signing artists like Black Star and the Sleigh Bells to her label. Sleigh Bells is great. Sleigh Bells. They are so good. So good. Amazing. So good. I'm glad we can agree on this. Oh. This I'm is here like, for it. Sleigh Bells is like the perfect melting the perfect, of like both is, of our musical that is tastes. a true melting pot of oh our musical God. taste. If you want to like both what me and Ashley listen to. If you to, like dancey metal. Yeah. I guess. I guess. Because that's kind of what it is. It kind of is. Then listen to Sleigh Bells. All right, we did it. We totally pulled Perfect. it off. All right. We you know didn't what? pull anything off. It was all Sleigh Bells. <laughs> Thank you, Sleigh Bells. <laughs> but gone were the days of country hopping to record a record. So she decided to work on her next album solely in L.A. The aughts were coming to an end. And Twitter and other social media outlets were making it so news could travel faster and easier. Oh, boy. Maya was seeing the violence in Sri Lanka only escalating and began to tweet about injustices such as the unlawful execution of Tamil tigers by the government. Uh Uh-huh. 
Uh, so, of course. Yeah, because, like, she relevant, has every right to Relevant say it. to her interests. Absolutely. There we go. This did not go over well, and she was marked as a terrorist. <laughs> what? Yep. Yep. <laughs> For tweeting? Really? Those on the side of the uh, street. Wait, wait, yep. wait, yep. wait. No, wait. Yeah, yeah. If Maya, M-I-A, is viewed as a terrorist for tweeting, why hasn't anybody said anything about Trump yet? We are not a political podcast. Well, we are now. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why why isn't Trump a terrorist? Because he's a white male. Oh, okay. And rich. You know what? You're right. You're right. Excuse I'm sorry. Me. Sorry. You know I'm sorry. sorry. You just put me into my place. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> let me let me mansplain this to you. Um, Please do. Number one, man. Number two, white. But I would say number three is the most important of all, rich. Is he though? He won't give us his tax returns. Oh my God, we're not a political podcast. We can't do this. Tax returns. <laughs> <laughs> But his tax returns. Oh, my God. That might be the name of the episode. Anyway. Those on the side of the Sri Lankan government would go to protests with signs specifically calling out MIA, saying, like, oh, she's a terrorist and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It was it was, it was getting a little nutty. It was getting a little weird. All right. All That's right. so stupid. So she started getting invited to go on political shows on CNN, and she was even invited to Bill Maher's show to voice her opinion but most of the time, she was treated like a spoiled child who didn't actually know anything about the civil war in Sri Lanka. People began to criticize her, saying that she was using her political agenda as a brand. Because now she was a woman of Hollywood and wealth. And she was just with some bougie son of a CEO of Seagram's. And like all of her music was because like Warner Music Group and blah, 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 blah. So she's getting all this just lashback because she had a kid. She can't leave L.A., so she's not traveling the world anymore. She's with, like, this wealthy CEO. And I will give Ben Bronfman some credit because he seems actually to be a pretty good philanthropist. He seems to be doing something good with his money, at least. And I think that's how they kind of connected. Yeah. But overall, you know, she's getting all this lashback. And if you watch the documentary, this is where where you're going to start to get really mad. Like, you're kind of like what the fuck at first, but then you start to get mad because they show clips when she was on Bill Maher's show and he's kind of like, well, what do you, what right do you have? Like, first of all, well, Bill Maher's Bill a piece Maher's of shit, shit anyway. But second, he's like, well, you're just like, you know, whatever excuse musician. Excuse me, excuse me, ma'am, ma'am, but I am a white male with a TV show. What right do you and have? And then when he finished interviewing her, he went back to his panel of white dudes. Yeah, old white dudes. Yeah. Anyway, and then, yeah, like she was going on about how like CNN... Completely cut out all the political stuff and only kept the stuff where she talks about her music. Yeah. That's such bullshit. So all of this builds up to the music video for her song, Born Free. Mm-hmm. It was removed from YouTube the same day it was put up. <laughs> this is a nine-minute film depicting horrific events going on in her home country in the only way that it could garner attention from first world viewers. The only way it could make white people actually think about genocide. Yeah. Yep. I remember watching this video when it came out. I think it was like maybe a few months after it came out. And I was working overnights and I just like found somebody talking about it. And so I pulled it up on YouTube for one of the few times it was up on YouTube. And I was like, oh, I'm not sleeping for a week now. Great. <laughs> okay. So this is... A- 
I I highly suggest people watch it, but it is. It's very graphic. If you don't have the stomach for horror movies, don't fucking watch it. Because there are some parts where it's like... Or like even war movies. Yeah. I would say it, it reads to me, I can watch a horror movie. I cannot watch a war movie. I can't watch like Black Hawk Down or The Hurt Locker or any shit like that. Like I can't watch people being murdered in a realistic situation. I can watch a motherfucker get killed by Jason. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's completely unrealistic. Because it's unrealistic. Yeah. Um. But so the video is a an armored car with SWAT teams going around breaking into homes. Clearly in a not not a first world country. Yeah. It, it's it's all set. It's actually I think it was all filmed but, in California, but it's set in a desert. But it's it's all white people. It's all white people. All white people, and they, that is very important. Yeah, like to know. they'll run through. Hold on, they 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 like run by a room of like a man of color smoking a crack pipe. They run. Yep. They like harass this uh, couple having coitus, and like they end up grabbing this ginger kid out of the house, mm-hmm. and you throw him onto a bus with all these other ginger kids. Yeah, I was not expecting a bus full of ginger kids. <laughs> when I you was saw like, the wait bus a second, ginger kids like, oh, she's making a point. Yeah. Shit, even when I saw this video the first time and didn't know MIA's political beliefs or not beliefs, just her her. What she had grown up in. You could tell um, she was... I was like, she's making a fucking point. Yeah. And I was like a dumb 26-year-old. So, yeah. You watch this and it's like these gingers get thrown onto this bus. They get dragged out to the middle of the desert. They're forced to run across this field of mines. They shoot like a kid point blank in the head. And, and they, they show, show it. it to you. They show like this one kid absolutely just being completely blown up. Um, They show absolute brutal violence. It's... Very upsetting. It's very disturbing. But this is what's happening in Sri Lanka. And this is what she wants people to see. And when you... when Say you're one of us or anybody else who is in our same exact situation. You watch this because I found myself doing this. I was like, oh, this is kind of funny. Because because it's gingers. Because it's gingers and, you know, they're getting blown up. And it's like, like, oh, it's funny. But at the same time, it's like, but this is really happening in other countries. Although then I guess I should say... Maybe our ginger listeners shouldn't watch this video. <laughs> you guys, I don't know. Hey, Johnny, don't watch Maura, this. Johnny and Maura, don't watch this. Johnny, don't watch this. Maura, yeah. don't watch this. Guys, don't watch this video. <laughs> Sorry, we love you. Don't love watch you, it. Love you, don't watch this. <laughs> Anybody else who's a ginger, don't watch this. Yeah, don't. It's, it's fucked. The video would be put through a tug of war on YouTube, being banned and put up several times before they finally kept it with a warning and an age restriction. Now I don't even think it has the age restriction. You just have to actually search it because it will not show up on MIA's YouTube page. Maya was fascinated with the reaction to the film, and I think this is poignant, saying that when she posted the actual execution video of the Tamil soldiers in Sri Lanka... Barely got a few hundreds of reactions on Twitter. But now that you're killing white people. This fictionalized music video with actors and fake blood is what's garnered her so much negativity. Really? Yeah. I mean, I get it. But even with the actors, so the kid who's in the video, he speaks so positively of her. He says, you know, she was always like right right nearby if when we were filming she mm-hmm. asked me if I'm okay she wanted to make sure I understood what was going on and why she was making this video and I totally got it he was 12 a 12 year old got this better than 40 and 50 year olds on media news outlets yeah because they're fucking stupid like god fucking because because old white people all right now I'm angry now I got my blood boiling now you're taking the crazy pills I fucking can't Sweet little ginger boy at 12 years old gets it. Yeah. Fuck you, Fox News. I'm sorry, we're not political. I'm sorry. 
Sorry. Well, don't worry, though. Don't you worry, because it gets worse. Despite, despite her hesitation to talk to the press, she did agree to an interview when asked by Lynn Hirschberg of the New York Times to talk about her politics Mm. and music. When they were talking to her, like, they kind of had these agreements that, like, I want to talk about my politics. I don't want to just talk about my music. And, like, they were like, yep, we're going to talk about all that. It's in the documentary. They filmed this. Mm -hmm. When they met with Lynn, she's so warm and welcoming. Oh, my God. I love you. I love your music. They showed her the music video for Born Free. And she's like, I love it. It's great. It's so thought-provoking. Oh, she's just jerking people off. She was totally making a safe space. For Maya. Yep. They, she wanted her to feel comfortable because... And then attacked her. Oh, because when the article came out, it wholeheartedly painted MIA as a fickle youth who wore the label of freedom fighter as an outfit. That her tastes and actions didn't equal someone who truly cared. One part of the article goes, quote, I kind of want to be an outsider, she said, eating a truffle-flavored french fry. I don't want to make the same music, sing about the same stuff, talk about the same things. If that makes me a terrorist, then I'm a terrorist. This was an obvious attempt to discredit her because Lynn was the one who fucking brought in the truffle fries. You don't have to put in that section of her, like, like saying that she's talking about things flippantly or eating truffle fries. Like they were at a restaurant and she specifically ordered truffle fries that cost $25. Yeah, they, she They're, tried to like, paint MIA like some fucking like hipster bitch. And she's not. Like honestly, watch the fucking documentary. She does not at any point come across like that. Even she, when she's living in LA and shit. She's if, still living no, no, as a normal person. If she were some kind of hipster bitch that was just in this to get fame and money and shit and ride on this like freedom warrior train then she would be a whole lot more famous than she is now she would be making a whole lot more money than she is now but she isn't and she's not right i mean she's she's hurting her reputation constantly because she won't stop bringing up the sri lankan war and how much people are suffering yeah because you know what I don't want to hear about that. I just want to hear, like, fun dance music. It's like, yeah, okay, here's some fun dance music, but also there's a political message to the music, too. And also, like, slipping back into political, but let's talk about how about the fact that, like, the U.S. government totally does not want her exposing the crimes in third world countries because no. like, then we're going to get upset about it. And we don't want that. So let's mark her as a terrorist. I'm going to digress. We are not a political podcast, but it makes me angry. <laughs> Hey. So Maya, understandably, got upset. She ended up tweeting Lynn's phone number and suggested that if people have questions, maybe they should call her. Good. Honestly, good for you, girl. Honestly, good. Do it. The New York Times did issue edits, but it was too late. Edits? Really? Yeah. MIA at this point was seen as a joke. It's bullshit. There were like bullshit parodies made about her, about like how she's like, oh, I moved to Hollywood and now I'm rich and famous. And I don't care about things. But I like, I feel like I remember like way back in the day before like even Paper Planes came out, people were doubting her sincerity. Yeah. I mean, there was always that. I think when um 
Arular came out, there was, of mm-hmm. course, that initial, like, man, I don't know about that. But then when Kala came out, people really... But I think... Because she doubled down, and she's like, no, but seriously, and people are like, well, I don't want to hear about this. Well, I think it was because people realized, like, oh, wait, she speaks English really good. She must have grown up in England. That's one of the things that Bill Maher brings up in his yeah. fucking interview. Like, oh, I bet not all Sri Lankans talk like you. And she's like, well, I grew up in England. I'm a refugee. But she also moved back to Sri Lanka and lived yeah, there like, for a long time. to watch his interview interview with her is blood boiling most of the time i want to kick bill maher in bill the maher in the dick anyway yeah, so yeah. par for the course <laughs> right it's not like he ever does himself any favors no he does not he does not but mia wasn't so much of a joke that we still wouldn't buy her music her third album maya named after herself was released in july 2010 and became her highest selling record to date while the reception was fairly divided, it was overall viewed favorably. But I think it's fair to say that most negative reviews are a reflection of MIA's current image in the yeah, media. Oh yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, many thought this album was a vanity project. And yeah, some of the songs have a basis in her life experiences, but she brings up a lot of valid themes like racism and war, but also singing about her mistrust of the digital world, the need for pop stars to be sex symbols, and overall cynicism with the direction that we're going in. It's like, she's just saying what's on her mind, and people don't, don't like hear it. it? What? What's... Then what? just don't what? listen to it, you piece of shit. <laughs> I don't want to know what's going on in the world. She's a hipster. Why Where's don't my you just... Me, me, me? You're a pop star so why don't you just keep your mouth shut and just make music and it's like people don't realize she became a pop star because she spoke out because she has a message that she wants to send to people 2011 started off with things coming up mia despite all the bullshit she had been dealing with she was still going strong and now was asked by another of her idols, Madonna, to not only guest on two tracks in her upcoming album, but to also perform with her in the upcoming Super Bowl halftime show. Oh, that Super Bowl halftime show. I don't know if you remember the 2011 Super Bowl I halftime sure do. show. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. You Did, did you watch did. it? Yes. That's the best part. I watched it because M.I.A. and Nicki Minaj were in it. And I love M.I.A. and Nicki Minaj. Yeah, I love Nicki Minaj. Come for me. Now that I think about it, I remember the Madonna parts. Oh. And that's the unfortunate part about it. Here's the thing. I, I think maybe I was so like, woof, stop it, Madonna, that I didn't notice this. Okay. I don't remember the halftime show, not even the controversy caused by M.I.A., when, instead of saying the word shit on stage in her rap, she simply just gave the middle finger for all of America to see. <laughs> well, Yay. You think we don't like hearing your political opinions in your music? Well, even worse of a crime is making our wholesome American football some vulgar smut show. Yeah, Janet Jackson. Wasn't at all Justin Timberlake's How dare call. you show your nipple? My God, nipples and middle fingers? Next what thing- are these brown God ladies doing? Fucking brown ladies. Jesus Christ. How dare you offend my white male sensitivity? You know what? It's not just white male. It's white ladies too. It's white everybody. Oh, it's you know what? It's, it's no, you know it's, it's, it's a Christians. Whole lot of white ladies too. It's a lot of Christians. Yeah. 
Because I'm not even going to colorize this. It's a lot of Puritan values that our American country was born on. News outlets. Mouths were agape that she would have the gall to do this. The NFL sued her for $1.5 million for breach of contract and, quote, flagrant disregard for the values that form the cornerstone of the NFL brand and the Super Bowl. My head's gonna fucking explode. Maya no, said, wait, Maya wait, said, hold up, this was ridiculous, because I know where you're gonna go with this. Maya said this was ridiculous considering the criminal behavior their players, coaches, and owners are constantly committing. Also, there's rapes, there's violence, there's murders, concussions, concussions, concussions concussions that we're covering up. Like, cool, NFL. Cool. All right. All right. If if we had a video, I think we've officially lost our minds. If we had a video camera on us right now, my it would be you're very red. It would be actually red. It would be the scene from Scanners when his head explodes. (laughs) Because like, but it's it's but also it's the third time I'm doing this. And I'm still really mad. But it's it's the simple fact that it's $1.5 million. That is nothing to the NFL. That is chump change oh. to the NFL. Oh. They are oh. suing her just to fucking sue her, to try and make a point. Two years later, they added $15 million to the original claim. Why? I don't know. Because it's the NFL. Because NFL. I can't. I fucking can't. I fucking can't. Where's I need a tiny table to flip so I don't I flip can't. this actual I table because there's can't. too much expensive stuff on it. Also, our beers. I can't. Mostly the beers. But mostly the beers. Well, it has since been settled, but the terms are confidential, which I don't, I don't even I don't know. But yeah, I mean, like fucking what? And then Madonna didn't even fucking come out to support MIA. She's, or she was just like, I'm just really disappointed. Oh. That was a really childish oh. thing to do. Because when you were her age, you were doing shit like showing your fucking boobs everywhere and saying like, who cares? It's my boobs. MIA fucking throws a middle finger and you can't fucking defend her. No, 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 even no. if all you said, even if all she said was just like, it's not what I would have done. But like, you know, she did what she did. Even right. if that's all you said, I would have been fine right. with that. But she 100% was like, I'm really disappointed that that's what she did. Fuck you, Madonna. Fuck. Madonna's a piece of shit. Yes. She is Madonna a sh- is a piece of shit. She is a because- tar shadow of what she used to be as a human. Because also, didn't rel- relatively recently, within the last few years, her son posts something pretty racist on Twitter. And she came to his defense about yeah. it. So, uh, fuck that shit. It matters when it affects me, Ashley. <laughs> I need to. We are. We are running. You know what? You know what? She already fucking made her money from the Super Bowl halftime so, show, so she doesn't give a shit. She doesn't. She's never going to see MIA again. She's never going to collaborate with her again. She had her to make controversy for yep. the halftime show. That's all she. She needed had her MIA for. to make herself relevant again. Yes, and that and MIA did exactly that, so she doesn't give a shit about her anymore. Yeah. Fuck Madonna. Fuck Madonna. I am, like, legit, I am done with Madonna. She thinks she's so much better than the newer, like, ah! artists coming up. And but I'm like, sorry, you have been struggling to be relevant for the last 15 years. I'm fucking over it. Maybe it's a dick, bitch. Maybe I don't care. hating on all the... N- you know what? I'm gonna stop, because we'll have a Madonna episode someday, and this is when we can let this all out. <laughs> all right. Bringing it back. Tip of the tongue, teeth, and the lips. <laughs> Three, two, one, one, two, three. What the, the heck, heck is bothering, bothering me? <laughs> Thank you, Carl Winslow. I feel better. All right. <laughs> Coincidentally, 
Right before the Super Bowl performance, she released the single Bad Girls. <laughs> Ironic. A song about female empowerment. And I would argue it's definitely tied or maybe a little bit more successful than Paper Planes. But it's one of her most successful tracks. Okay. And that would end up on her next full studio release in 2013, Matangi. Named for the Hindu goddess of creativity and kind of herself again, Matangi was a return to form for Maya. She was once again traveling to record in countries like India for inspiration and collaboration. At this point, she was signed to Jay-Z's Rock Nation label as well as Interscope. The latter claimed that her album was, quote, too positive and kept pushing the release (laughs) date back. (laughs) It wasn't until she threatened leaking it that they gave it an official release. Well, I mean, isn't Interscope headed by Trent Reznor? No. Wasn't he originally one of the... No. Jimmy Iovine. Oh. Right? But Nine Inch Nails was signed to Interscope. Yes. And I always... For some reason, I assume that Trent Reznor had something to do with the executive part of Interscope. Yeah. I mean, he might have a hand in it, but I also can't see him doing that shit. But I don't know him personally, so... But I could see Jimmy Iovine doing that shit. Oh! 100%. Oh, he'll get an episode someday. Someday. And we're just gonna yell a lot. Like, you think we're yelling now? (laughs) Woof. Woof. You ain't heard yelling. Oh. The latest album was positively reviewed and actually seen as a logical culmination of all of her work up to now. And she was still on point with her cultural observations with songs like Y-A-L-A, Yala, You you Always Live Again, as a response to the whole YOLO thing with like Drake and the the youths at the time. Um, But she had the Hindu belief of reincarnation added to it. I like that better. Right. And she... Because fuck YOLO. <laughs> there's this one part in the song where she's like, why is it you only live once? In my country, you always live again. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's, it's actually like kind of cool. It was actually kind of cool. And also there was the song Boom Skit, which is a definitive diss track to the NFL for the response on her middle finger. Good. Yeah. It was really funny, actually. She's basically like, oh, America only wants me when I'm, like, hot and sexy, but when I try to be a female and, like, empowered, oh, I guess it's just, like, oh, fuck myself. When I do the middle finger, which is what some people do every single day of their fucking lives. You mean, like, us? Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh. How many profile pictures do I have with my middle finger up? A lot. All of a sudden, that's bad. With all the trouble Maya was having with trying to release her latest album, she was also receiving pushback when trying to put out a documentary about the making of Matangi. By the end of 2013, she felt the relationship with Rock Nation had soured too much, so she decided to leave the label. Her relationship with her fiancé, Ben, had also fallen through. And with all this vicious backlash from American media, she just decided, I'm going to move back to London. Do it. So now she's back in London. I'd move to London and I I didn't even live there before. Right? I'd go there. But she's not one to... Actually, I don't know if now's the best time for that, but... Yeah. I mean, like... Again, we're not a political... We're not a political podcast. And we're not a British political podcast, so... (laughs) Pip, pip. A cheerio. A cheerio. <laughs> oh my god, I'm sorry, British <laughs> listeners. Well, she's not one to stop doing what she's doing. Maya continued to work on her next album and by 2015 released a new single called Borders, a song with lyrics and an accompanying video that are in your face looks at the refugee problem and asking people to find their compassion for these displaced peoples. Many found it to be a beautiful statement, but by now... Neo-Nazis were becoming real vocal and accused her of calling for white genocide. Yep. 
Nope. Why yep. do we have to go through all of this in one podcast? I'm sorry. I'm not Why sorry. in one episode? It's... Yeah, I told you this was going to be some bullshit. Did I not? <laughs> I've given you at least three warnings this whole weekend of like... Well, you didn't tell me neo-Nazis were going to be in this <gasps> Oh, I'm too? sorry. Do I need to let you know when neo-Nazis are going to get involved? From now on, I'll I let you know. I honestly didn't think neo-Nazis would be involved in an MIA episode, but okay, but sure. Here we, but here, here we, we are. are. But here we are, and uh, <laughs> nothing I can do about it, so continue. Well, the single Borders would be featured on what MIA has claimed to be her final album, AIM. It was released in September 2016. She considers this her most positive work. While it's still full of political awareness, it seems to have this kind of enlightened approach to... All of the bullshit that she's had to deal with. Okay. Maya is still creating art and working on films. Notably, the documentary that was just released last year. Mm -hmm. In interviews since its release, she's discussed her desire to leave music. How her issues are not palatable by the world as a whole. If she wants to say anything political and not get shushed, she'll have to release an anti-Trump record. Or if she wants to bring up feminist issues, it has to be be about equal pay in Hollywood, not about the rape of female Tamil soldiers by the Sri Lankan army. Because here's the deal. We are, quote unquote, woke. We are, quote unquote, progressive. Mm -hmm. But we can only see the things that are in front of us. Mm -hmm. We cannot acknowledge that there are problems in other countries. We cannot acknowledge that, like, while what we're going through sucks, some places do have it worse. Right. This research is maybe like, this sucks sometimes, but I am very lucky. I am very lucky to live in America. We still live in a first world country and one of the biggest superpowers in the world. So if not still the superpower in the world, despite what a fucking mockery we are to the rest of the world at this point. So, but what is just amazing to me, though, is like. Then MIA comes up and she's like, but we got problems over here and they're worse than yours. And I almost feel like a lot of people are like, well, don't tell you, don't tell me your problems are worse than mine. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. what I feel like a lot of people are saying. Like, oh, it's cute kind of like- little, you know, girl thinks she knows what the problems are in the world, but she's yeah. seen worse shit than most of us will ever see in our lives. It's kind of the, it's kind of like what people say when somebody adopts a kid from a third world country. It's like so many people say oh, it's great that you adopted this child or even this dog from a third oh, yeah. world country. Oh, yeah. But we have all of these, you know, orphan children and adoptable dogs in the United States right now. So why don't you help out those first? Because they're your country. It's like, it doesn't fucking matter. Because we have... Even, even though there are orphan children in the United States... In the foster care system, which is subpar at best, um, at best. <laughs> the our, our subpar foster care system is still better than any situation an orphan child in India or China or any other country that happens to or any any country in Africa or anything. It's still better than a third world country. Yeah. Still better. Yeah. But here's the thing. You know, it doesn't matter. Guys, like, adopt 
whatever dog you want from you know whatever what? country you want. Adopt, adopt a kid from wherever you want. Adopt a kid or a dog from wherever the fuck you want. Just fucking like, adopt them. Don't, don't break your arm jerking yourself off. Right. Do it because you feel like this was the thing for you to do. Don't feel like you got to brag about it. But no, don't but don't feel bad that like someone did something different from you either. Yeah. Like, guys, we all can make this place better. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how you do it. Just don't be a dick. Yeah. Like, if you're making it better nationally or globally, it doesn't matter as long as you're, you're making, making it, it better. better. It doesn't God matter. God damn it. Nobody should shame you for that. No. Because you're doing something really fucking awesome for the whole world. You know, props to adoption people. Whether yeah. it be dogs or babies or cats. Anything. Gerbils. You adopt what you got to adopt. Possums. We're proud of you, regardlessly. <laughs> well, Maya's had her social media accounts frozen on and off. <laughs> yep. For, the, for, for many uh. years. And says her and her mother still have trouble getting into the States because they're viewed as threats to U.S. safety. That's so stupid. But doesn't she live in the United States? She was in London. Oh, she was only living in L.A. for a short time. Just for a few years while she was with Bob and Bob. Ben. His name's Ben. Bob. Whatever. <laughs> ben. But she has been living in London for the few year, past okay. few years. Got it. At this point, releasing her music is just too difficult. The industry is a machine, and it's just too big to bring down on her own. Even in Europe, to release music globally, she'd have to go through big companies in the U.S. So at this time, MIA views music as something she loves, but she just kind of has to give up. For now, at she least. She should do filmmaking. Yeah, I mean, this is no means looks like a forever for her. Like, she still kind of does... She dabbles in music here and there, still, mm -hmm. even still. Um, they did an interview with her at the end of last year where she said she watched a documentary and she's like, I still fucking love music. I still love doing it. It's still part of my life. I miss it. Watching the documentary makes me want to do it again. I don't think she's ever going to really give up music. Mm -hmm. But I think she might just do her own kind of thing. And I mean, now you have the internet, so you can do it, which is great. And I think she should keep doing her films. And she can do it independently. And she can keep doing art. She, I, I did omit a lot of her visual arts, but she kept up with her visual arts throughout this whole time. Yeah. So she's, she is a jack of all trades. She can do it all. And I don't think we've heard the last of her. Oh, by it, no means. When it, at least when it comes to filmmaking, because I think that's the logical next step here. Yeah. Yeah. She has a lot to say. She's not just going to keep it to herself. And so. I, I take her very seriously. I think she's very credible. I think she's honest. I don't at all think that she's the way the media tries to paint her. I also don't trust the media, so... Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we're not a political podcast. <laughs> Look, overall, I couldn't help but be very frustrated while researching and writing for this episode, as you've heard. In a world where we tout up these pop stars with absolutely no substance, like the Justin Biebers, the Maroon Fives, the Ariana Grandes, come for me. I'll fight you on any of these groups. But then we go and shame someone like MIA, who brings very important issues to light, because we're like, mm, I think that's troublesome. I don't want to hear about that. Also, she probably has way better tattoos than any of the artists you just mentioned. Truth. Yeah. yeah, you know who had a better Super Bowl performance? MIA's middle finger over Maroon 5's <laughs> fucking Adam Levine's bullshit tattoo. His cavil kiss his fucking flash, flash sheet, sheet of the chest. Yeah. And Ariana Grande's uh, 
barbecue grill tattoo on her hand. Ugh, yeah, cool guys. Anyway, please tell me about please all the tell things. Me about how awesome. Please these tell me about are. all of your political opinions. Oh, Ariana Grande, you just think Americans are fat slobs? Cool. Cool, thanks. Oh, Justin Bieber, you're gonna piss in a bucket? Great. What? He's Canadian. <laughs> He peed in a bucket because he's Canadian? Okay. What? Those two are not exclusive or inclusive. (laughs) Mutual. Let's keep going. This is a bad MIA. I'm sorry. I'm going with it. You know what? Believable. Believable. (laughs) I mean, it happened. Anyway. All right. The media brushes MIA aside as if she's some idiot child who has unrealistic ideas of how to help the world. And this is coming from privileged citizens who have never lived in a war zone telling a refugee that she doesn't know what she's talking about when putting issues of war and immigration in her songs. These are the same people that think sanctuary cities are going to get them murdered. It's, It's the same fucking people who have absolutely no idea what a sanctuary city is and how it works and what people are going to be coming into it. Yeah. Like people who know that they can lock their doors and sleep safe at night. Yeah. You know, I think you know, I we're, think some, we're a political podcast. I think some neo-Nazis might come after us. Fine. Come for me, don't bitches. Come for me. I don't want to fuck with I a neo-Nazi. I will fucking fight you. I mean, I might. Fuck it. So as I close this out, I highly encourage you to listen to MIA's music. Watch her music videos. Watch the documentary. Dude, I not only got a lesson in her life, I got a fucking lesson in global politics and history. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. She has a lot to say, and you will learn a lot about what's going on in the world outside of your backyard. And I think that's so important. We live in 2019. We can see what's going on in the rest of the world. Why don't we? Take a peek outside of our own fenced-in yard and see, like, hey, what, what, what's going on over here on this side? Do it. This woman felt so compelled to let the world know about these issues that she became a self-taught musician. Mm-hmm. And she ended up creating music with not only a message, but at the end of the day, you know what? It is legit really good music. So if anything, celebrate MIA for her dedication and her fearlessness. She is... Such a fucking icon, and nobody gives her her credit that she deserves. Mm-hmm. People push her aside like she was just some one-hit wonder pop star. She's amazing, and I'm newly in love with her, and I'm going to follow her. <laughs> yeah. She's yeah. worth following. She is. Um, I mean, yes, even if you aren't into, like, dance, house music, techno, electronica, I mean, her shit is very substance, has a lot of substance to it. Yeah. And I think she used uh, her platform in a way that not a lot of musicians would. Right. Again, she definitely worked herself to become a musician so she could promote her message. Yeah. Which is really, I don't know, it's honorable. Mm -hmm. I fucking respect her for it. And she didn't sacrifice the music for her message. Her music's so So, good. Yeah. Yeah. And... It's got a beat and you can dance to it. Oh, but yeah. All right. That's that, that's all I got to say. <laughs> that's it. Please listen to MIA. Support her. Like, we need we need to bring her back. We need her. I if mean, there's ever a time we need an artist like MIA, it's right now. She did things differently than most people would do them in the sense that she kind of had a guerrilla warfare tactic 
yeah. to her music. It wasn't just like, all right, I'm going to hook them in with some, you know, catchy beats and some cute dance tunes. And then I'm going to slowly work in this, you know, message yeah. of, you know, tolerance and, you know, respecting brown people and whatever. But she was always doing that. She was. And people just didn't hear it. She was always like coming out guns blazing. Like, you need to fucking listen to me because there's some bullshit going on over yeah. here. And everyone was like, oh, oh, hold, oh. hold on. Okay. I can't do all of this all at once. You need to calm down. And she's like, no, I'm not fucking calming down because you need to listen yeah. to me. She's been the same person since day one. Yeah. And people don't like that. They want they want their women to be presentable and nice and attractive. We're and- singing about, like, boys, maybe girls. Mm-hmm. And then, like, how cute we are. Yeah. And or we can we can sing about how badass we are, but in a superficial way. Yeah, because, you know, girl power, and that's how we're badass. But no, there's genocide going on, and Paralyzed people are being guys. suppressed in these, you know, second and third world countries, and you need to fucking pay attention. Yeah, we need to give like a that. shit. People don't like that. Yeah. We are not a political <laughs> podcast. Ending it. Cutting ourselves off. We're sorry we've had these are eight percenter beers. <laughs> and like I'm legit, And I'm angry. Like legit my MIA story gets me hyped, like in an angry way. It's yeah. fine. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bring it down. <laughs> I think fisting should be called uppercunting. What? Yeah. I'm I will attribute to, that to Bo Burnham one hundred percent. It's fine. What anyway, are we talking about now? Yeah, I I just felt like we were getting a little serious and we had to bring it down. <laughs> anyway. That was our show. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> Didn't have to do that. I think I did. I think I did. You know what? Like MIA, I'm not going to apologize for the things <laughs> I said. <laughs> oh, my God. Seriously, though. Thank you all for listening. I know we were especially ranty and angry in this one. And, you know, sometimes we just can't help it. Sometimes you can't help yelling a lot when you're really... <laughs> When you're really angry sometimes. And you know what? I hope this episode maybe maybe made you a little angry, too. It should. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. It's Women's History Month, so we're talking about another lady next week. Mm-hmm. Well, it, I, I don't know what it'll be like next week. I don't know the story that well, but I'm hoping... It'll probably be a little more lighthearted than this one. I think so. I think so. And uh, a little more fun. A little bit more fun indeed. Get it? Oh, I get it. You get it. Nobody else gets it. They might get it. (laughs) Anyway. All righty, guys. This is Rock Candy Podcast for the time being. If you have been enjoying us, why don't you go ahead and go on iTunes and leave us five stars and say, wow, Rock Candy Podcast is the best podcast I've ever listened to. These girls are drunk and funny. And shout a lot. And they shout a lot, but I like that about them. (laughs) And also, uh, you can follow us on the social medias because we got the Twitters at Rock Candy Pod, and then we got the Facebook and Instagram at Rock Candy Podcast, and of course, our website www.rockcandypodcast.com. I'm <laughs> gonna hey, do that. I'm Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> Listen to a podcast. <laughs> hey, what's the deal with the podcast? <laughs> It's Jerry Seinfeld. I know. Two Remember, different people. You're Andrew Dice Clay and I'm Jerry Seinfeld, but neither of us want to be these people. Jesus Christ. All right, guys. <laughs> Again, thank you so much for your listening and your support. Share us if you enjoy us. And if you don't enjoy us, just like forget that we exist, <laughs> I guess. And we'll see you kids next week. And until then, party on, <laughs> Ashley. Party 
on, Maggie. And party on, you crazy kids out there. With your balls out. And, and your thank, thank yous. yous.